At Delta, we know Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Somebody told me earlier yesterday afternoon, something's going on with the Cardinals today. It's like, something's going on with the Cardinals. What's going on with the Cardinals? What could be going on with the Cardinals? And then the news landed, multiple media outlets getting their hands on a grievance filed through the normal arbitration channels, taking advantage of the processes in place to take it up with the commissioner. Some concerns that Terry McDonough had, the son of the legendary NFL reporter Will McDonough, brother of Sean McDonough, who at one point was the play-by-play announcer for Monday Night Football. Terry McDonough had been working with the Cardinals since 2014. He was fired earlier this year after the hiring of Monty Austin for it to be the GM, Jonathan Gannon to be the head coach, change in regime, people move on, yada, yada. So, so, McDonough wasn't happy. McDonough takes advantage of the appropriate channels to pursue his grievances against the Cardinals, and one of the things he alleges is that when Steve Kime was suspended back in 2018, remember he had an extreme DUI that happened 4th of July. He was suspended for five weeks of training camp. There was no GM. The allegation from McDonough is that McDonough and head coach Steve Wilkes were required to communicate with Steve Kime via burner phones to have Kime involved in all the decisions that you make as you shape a team through training camp and into the early stages of the regular season. The Cardinals have strongly denied that, Chris. But to me, especially when McDonough alleges that he still has the phone, whatever digital footprints they can find out there would seem to be dispositive on whether or not this is something the team told these guys to do or as the team contends, something that they did on their own, and when Bidwill found out about it, he shut it down. I would like to think that that's a fairly black and white with not a lot of gray that this process will figure out, assuming there's a true desire to figure it out. That's the other side of this. Remember, it's being resolved in the secret-rigged kangaroo court where everything is going to favor the Cardinals, where it's going to be unlikely that we even know what the truth is and that the league is going to be inclined to sweep, sweep, sweep anything that would look bad under the rug. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like, it, I, I, I mean, it's it's not good. It doesn't look good. Am I shocked? No. I mean, what? I mean, they, this is where it's like, this is like those suspensions as we talk about all the time, those type of suspensions, whether it's the owner, the GM, oh, he's on leave or miss, like, 
Do I ever have I ever bought one of those ever to think that they're not like strongly involved in the organization still? Absolutely not. Like I don't know. This is what I expected went on at that time. The NFL doesn't seem to crack down or or police this at the time it's going on. They just go, well, we'll trust you. You know, you're breaking laws, and we're going to suspend you for that. But we'll 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 trust you that you won't break you know our bylaws of our league. Like, yeah, right. Are you kidding me? Of course they are. Right. So I, it's like, of course, they were texting with them. You know, I'm not shocked by that. Now, who put it in charge? Bidwell, whatever. You know, that that maybe changes the story a little bit uh, and puts more heat on Bidwell. But that's my problem with these type of suspensions altogether. There's not enough of a hard line cutoff. And I don't know what the solution is, but that does bother me. Well, it's almost like enforcing a punishment you impose on your kid. There's yeah. a point where you yeah. don't have the time, the patience, or the desire to chase them around and make them comply with your wishes because you got other stuff you got to do. Right. And I thought of something as you were saying that. When the Dolphins went through the Tua stuff in September where he had the back injury on a Sunday and they turned around and played on a Thursday night and that was the night he hit his head on the turf in Cincinnati and left on a on a backboard and it was huge concern in the NFL and I remember thinking hey if Stephen Ross wasn't suspended for the first six weeks of the regular season because of the Sean Payton Tom Brady tampering stuff you'd at least have somebody in charge who could have said he's not playing on Thursday night he's not there to give that order and when I started floating that around and poking it around basically somebody said to me do you really think he's not involved yeah right exactly really right do you really think do you really think he doesn't have a way to communicate his concerns his questions right his issues right with potentially putting this guy back on the field so so yeah let's not be naive the stakes are too high to just sit there passively especially if the league isn't going to put you on 24-hour surveillance i remember all the way back to spygate when they were talking about suspending Bill Belichick, how do you ever enforce a suspension of a coach? How do you ensure that there's no pathway for him to provide any information to anyone, to watch film, to talk to somebody? It becomes exhausting if you're the ones who are trying to keep it from happening. But the point is, the allegation's been made. It's not going to play out in open court. It plays out in the NFL's in-house arbitration process where maybe we'll find out, maybe we won't. And I think what makes this so stunning, Chris, is the fact that we know about any of it because the whole idea is to keep it quiet, to keep it secret, to keep it safe, to keep it under wraps. And so the McDonough grievance gets sent to the media. And then this is where it goes next level. This is where it becomes cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. This is where it is something I've never seen before. And I believe it is unbecoming to the Cardinals organization. It is unbecoming to the Shield. I called publicly on the Cardinals yesterday to delete this thing that they posted yesterday. A lengthy response. Lengthy. Excessive. Unnecessary. Gratuitous attack on the character of Terry McDonough. Personal issues completely unrelated to his job thrown into it. And they painted a picture to me. And we posted a link to it. A lot of people have actually clicked on it. I don't know if they've read it. It's so long, I don't know that anyone's going to read it. It's like the terms and conditions when you get new software on your phone. You just have to click yes so you can keep going. Whoever reads that stuff, that's what this felt like to me. But if you do read it, Chris, it is disappointing that they go after the guy personally. And the inescapable conclusion that I, that I kept coming back to when I would look at it is, if you believe all these things about this guy, why did you employ him for so long? 
Why was he with you for nine years? If early on you started hearing these things about this guy's character that gave you pause, you validated those concerns by keeping him. So now you're going to use all that stuff to whack him over the head because he had the nerve to stand up for his own rights. And if I'm an employee of the Cardinals organization now or in the future, I look at at this and I say, boy, if I ever have a legitimate grievance, what are they going to do to me? Anytime I've ever gone to them for help, anytime I've ever had an issue, anytime I've ever had a problem that they know about, they're going to crap all over me if I dare to stand up for myself. This is a bad look, Yeah, Michael Bidwell. This is a horrible look. And you wonder why your team lands at the bottom of the player survey. You wonder why your team's dysfunctional. You wonder why you can't put together a consistent winner. I'm surprised they've won as much as they have. If this is indicative of how they treat their employees. I wouldn't want to work for the Arizona Cardinals based on how they're treating Terry McDonough on the way out the door. There's a way to do this. Look, he's making his claim. Let him have his moment. Let him make his claim. Defend it through the appropriate process. It's already rigged in your favor. You're going to win. And I, I, I got no problem with a detailed response to these allegations that may be troubling of cheating when Steve McKime was suspended and burner phones and whatnot. But there's no cause to go after this guy personally. There's no cause to throw mud at him every way you possibly can. And I'm telling you, Chris, I've never seen anything like this where a billion dollar organization goes after a single employee by throwing so much mud at him. It feels vindictive. It feels over the top. It feels like F around and find out. And it sends a horrible message to all current and future employees of that organization. Yeah, I, I mean, the Cardinals, uh, they don't got a great reputation right now. And you're right. It, they, they're, they should be above this. And if you want to send on a statement, hey, yeah, uh, we disagree. And if you want to attack McDonough's what he did on the job a little bit, okay. But, yeah, it crosses the line. And that's where it's not cool. McDonough kept it within work. He didn't go down the line and start to tell Bidwell's personal life and dirty stories and everything like that, you know. And the the, the Cardinals. You're implying that there are any. Let's be careful. Well, here. no, I mean, I'm just saying. He didn't well, make it personal. Yeah, he, he made didn't it personal. Make it personal. Right. And, and Chris, this is this is all, all you have to do is all you have to do is if you're the Cardinals. All right. Um, we fired him. He's disgruntled, and we fired him for a reason. And here's why we fired him. Not. We're going to delve into everything we could possibly say about him in a negative way. And we're going to paint it in a negative light. And we're going to make him look irrational and unstable and unfit. Why'd you have him for nine years then? Yeah, right. Why'd you keep employing the guy? Yeah, right. That's where it doesn't line up. Your your attack collapses on itself. Yeah, it does. And you look bad for keeping him as long as you did. It does. And then you add in, like, the language in Kyler Murray's contract last year. Eh, Kind of weird and an issue. That was caused by, you know, you guys, right? Okay, so that adds to it. Of course, we had Cliff Kingsbury and, you know, the firing there and the team not doing good. You talked about it. The facility, right? It's what what was it rated? Like it was rated the worst in a lot of areas, but the weight room was the worst. And you have to pay for lunch? What? And dinner? Like get the hell out of here, right? I mean, you and then you add this to it now. It is, it's not a good look for them right now. And they're getting in their own way here. That, that's what's the worst part about it. I mean, all teams are going to have little bumps in the road, but they're making the bumps in the road, and that's where, you know, it's a little odd. Yeah, I mean, the, the ratings they had in that NFL PA player report card, it, 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 was, it was just horrible. It was horrible. There it is. Stuff that if you just look at that, that's bad. Other than strength coaches and training staff, 
And hey, team travel, B plus. B plus stands out. You bring that report card home from school. Yep. You're not going anywhere for no, a you're while. Not. You're losing all your electronics privileges. You are studying. And and so much of this stuff is avoidable. Why would you have an F minus for your weight room? What kind of a crap hole weight room do you have to get an F minus from your players? Food service and nutrition, F minus. You know, they're charging them for their food. The bad news is they're charging you for the food. The worst news is the food is a box of Ritz crackers. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's, it is ridiculous. It's shameful. And this is just, you know, an example of, of the mindset. And, and Cardinals fans, sorry, you can't pick your owner. You can't fire your owner. Uh, and, you know, I, I'd say prove me wrong, but you proved me right yesterday. With that said, you want to prove me wrong? You want to prove me wrong, Michael Bidwell? You want to prove me wrong? Take that statement down. Take it down and replace it with a very simple, we disagree strongly with the allegations made by Terry McDonough. They are inaccurate. They are false. And we look forward to defending ourselves through the arbitration process that he has initiated. That's all you need to say. That's all anybody ever says. It is a horrible look for a multi-billion dollar organization. And if I'm Roger Goodell... Today, I'm calling Michael Bidwell, and I'm saying, take that down. That is not who we are as the National Football League. This is not how we treat our current and former employees. This is not how we treat anyone. We don't treat a stranger on the street this way. We don't treat our enemies this way. We don't act this way, Michael Bidwell. Take that down. Hopefully, hopefully, do I really think it's going to happen? No. Should it happen? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I agree with you there. I do. It's it's the NFL. It, it is it's a bad look for the Cardinals. It's it's not a good look for the NFL. The NFL's above that. Ownership should be above that. And it's plain and simple as that. Don't get petty, right? The NFL, in a lot of ways, is usually really good in that department. But yeah, the Cardinals, they got some work to do as an organization. Some self-reflecting. Some of these issues they bring upon themselves, and they're easy. Like you, you know, you talk about weight room. Come on. I mean, damn, that's an easy thing to make players feel like, oh, this is a great environment. This is a great room, great facility. Uh, it's just amazing that they've messed some of these things up. This is another example. And, and I keep going back to Mark Cuban, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. You get to a point where you believe that you don't have to do this stuff. You believe that you don't have to be sensitive to your employees. You don't have to treat them as human beings. You can do whatever you want because no matter what we do, we're still going to make more money than we can ever spend. We can, it's like Brewster's millions. We can try to blow it up and it's still going to be billions after billions after billions. And that creates a toxic overall environment. And, and this is just, this is the, the clearest example of it I've ever seen. I, I'm, I'm, you know, this is not hyperbole. I have never been more disappointed in an NFL organization than I am in the Cardinals for how they treated Terry McDonough in response to the grievance that was filed yesterday. And it's shameful. It's wrong. They should take it down. And the league office, all the things that we see the league office flex its muscles about, the commissioner, the enforcer, the Jim Trotter stuff from last week, if there's any merit to that, if he got fired because he dared to ask the commissioner a tough question in a public setting, this is the worst. And the NFL, if it cares about people, if it cares about how it looks, if it cares about what we think, if it cares about anything other than making as much money as possible, they tell the Cardinals, take that statement down and replace it with something that is more professional and less shameful. Let's go ahead and take a break. 
Brian Dayball on the influence Bill Belichick has had on his coaching career and more when PFT Live continues right after this. Cousins calls out signals, takes the snap, he's back to throw, he's under pressure, got hit as he throws, completes it to his right, but he's short of the first down as Hawkinson, he's wrapped up, and the New York Giants are on to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. Yeah, you know, that was unnecessary, and that the was gratuitous. Because that game did not contribute in any way to Brian Dayball becoming coach of the year. Coach of the year is a regular season reward. We should have shown something from the regular season we did not have to show. Nah, that was the biggest win of the year. That was the biggest win of the year right there. We went up to the great Minnesota Vikings and whooped that butt. 13 and 4 football team. capped (laughs) it with some highlights from the next week's game when someone on this program foolishly picked the Giants to beat the Eagles. We can do that. Yeah, that's you, Mr. Emotional Hedge there. Yes. (laughs) Off to a... Off to a great start as the head coach of the Giants, 9-7-1, and one, taking the team to the playoffs, their first playoff victory since Super Bowl Forty Six, and he was indeed the AP Coach of the Year. Here is a little Brian Dayball from the Peter King Podcast talking about his time at Alabama coaching both Tua Tonga-Valoa and Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I'd say tremendous individuals, tremendous players. I think the good thing for for me that year was, again, I went back with Coach Saban. I'll be in a different position, not a graduate assistant, but an offense corner. But I really got to take inventory of of the college game and, and some of the things that they did in the college game that maybe wasn't used a lot in the NFL. And also really be around young players, being in the league so long. You draft these players and then you just implement them right into your program. I think I had some, you know, I, I was able to kind of sit back and see what they went through in college and then think about it a little bit more when I went back to the league and, and, and players' rookie years and, and how I could help better and be a better coach. So a lot of great memories there that, that one year. Those guys were, were great players for us. Um, again, learned a lot more from, from Nick uh, leadership-wise and, um, you know, was very grateful for that opportunity. You know, we see more and more NFL offenses adapting to the college game, doing the things that a great quarterback did well in college and breaking from that mold that had been in place for years about the pro-style offense. And it's my system. I'm not going to be flexible. I'm not going to adapt to my players. And I think Dayball's experience, just, just part of this shift that we've seen the past 10, 15 years where NFL coaches are more willing, Chris, to set aside their system, their yeah. playbook, their right. preferences, and and doing what they know their players are going to be comfortable doing. That's right. And, and you know, thinking outside the box a little bit. And I think that's what happened to Brian Dayball is he got to, you know, go to Alabama and, hey, you, you know, you, you're in the SEC. You know you got a really good team. You know, you know your team's better than most of the teams you're playing. You can try some things out a little bit. Right, it's not as like pressure packed on a down by down basis like it is the NFL, and yeah, the NFL has has turned the page in from like what you're saying from oh this is what we do to wait I'm looking for ideas anywhere I can get them, and I don't care if they're from college, high school, 1948 or wherever I'm gonna try to put this into my offense to give us another look, another type of advantage, and that's where Dayball, you know, he's got the base. You know, the base, like, uh, what do I say? The base premises or the base offense of New England Patriots, but then he's got his own splash and, and wrinkle 
on the whole thing too. And whether that's the quarterback design runs we saw, you know, with Josh Allen and, and Daniel Jones, or it's, you know, some of the motions and the speed sweeps and people faking this way and going back this way in motion. He was doing all that at Alabama, so he brought that to the NFL. And now you see teams watch him do it up in Buffalo, and they start to go, ooh, damn, that's kind of cool how they did that. Well, let me figure this out. I might try to add that to my offense. And that's what a smart coach does. You know, the smart coaches we talk about that are creative on a regular basis, Sean Payton, McDaniels, Shanahan, whatever, we bring it up a few times a year. They don't care where it's from. If, it, if they can make sense of it and realize how to incorporate in their offense, they'll make it work and, and make it part of their system. Dayball's one year in Alabama, 2017, came after four years with Bill Belichick in New England. Here is Dayball from the Peter, Ping, uh, Peter King, not Peter Ping, Peter King <laughs> podcast, talking about his effort to uh, be himself and not mimic Bill Belichick. Have a listen. Is it hard when you coach under Bill Belichick to make sure that you don't try to be Bill Belichick? I don't know. I, I just I've always tried to be myself, no matter what. Look, Bill has been a head coach, you know, damn near longer than I've been alive. You know, I, I know it's not the exact amount of age, but he's as successful as they come. And you know, I'm just a you know a coach that was trying to make my way each and every year. Have had a lot of different experiences in my career, and you know, just learned a ton from from coach. And um, you know, try to be myself. You know, whether it's at my job, at home, with my buddies. Um, that's just kind of how I was raised. And look, here's the reality. He was only with Belichick for four years. Yeah. I think yeah. that if you get out, and I don't know what the magic number is, if you get out before a certain period of time, you're able to still be yourself. I think these guys like Matt Patricia, Brian Flores, guys that are there for 15 years, they say when they leave they're going to be themselves, but they have no idea how much they've already become Bill Belichick because that's what they've lived for so long. You change. You think what's normal to you is normal to everyone. No, it's normal to Bill, and it's become your normal. So maybe Dayball got out of there before Belichick's way became his normal. Well, I mean, there, there's something to that. The fact that he changed spots a little, maybe in between two, because he was there in the early 2000s, if I remember correctly, and then he was gone for a while, and then he came, he came back, and I it was at, towards the end of my tenure uh, with the New England Patriots, where you know he's the tight ends coach, and I think even in 12 he was on our staff there as some sort of special assistant or anything like that. But Mike, you know I think your points are valid, certainly. It hasn't been there the whole time, so we got to see some different avenues and different ways of coaching and how you handle people. You know, the college thing that he mentioned probably you know, was a, 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 a bit of a like, wait, hey, these are kids. Let me figure out how to talk and relate to these kids. That's helped them in the NFL. But the one thing is, is yeah, he just he's a he's a real guy. He was different. It's why I, you know, me and him bonded a little bit in our short time up in New England, just because. He was one of the few guys that I felt like I could go in the room there when he was in there and, and I could shoot the shit like a normal guy. We weren't going to have robot, you know, professional workplace talk. 
You know, we could just be like normal. Like, hey, did you watch the game last night? And, oh, man, that's effed up and blah, blah, blah. He's got a great way about him that way. And we saw that this year. You talked to him. I know you experienced it. We see the way he is in front of the microphone and hear a ton of stories about how he relates to players. And that's, you know, a huge part of the game. And one part of the game that I think Belichick doesn't get enough credit for. He's a little more player-friendly than people realize um, and and Brian Dayball, of course, seems to be even more player-friendly than that. Uh, except when it comes to Mac Jones, which uh, ties <laughs> yeah. together the show a little bit. And also, we tie it back a couple of days. It was John Mara, the Giants co-owner, who said that Brian Dayball currently is Bono, and the challenge is not to become Bozo. Bozo. But we both, we both have faith that that N isn't going to do, what would it be, 90 degrees? And if you turn it the right way, the end becomes a Z. Fun with the letters here on PFT Live. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, the commander's sale process moving toward conclusion and Magic Johnson shedding some light yesterday on where things stand, confirming some things that had been reported, also some concern from Ron Rivera about his future when a new owner is in Washington. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. We got a lot going on, and uh, what are we hearing about you uh, buying the Commanders? Oh, wait, what? went right to it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, our bid is in. We hope that uh, we win. We yeah. don't know what's going to happen. You always win. That's it. So now you just have to design some new uniforms. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. So we'll see what happened with Mr. Snyder making that decision. So, But we're excited about it. I mean, you own a lot of teams, but at NFL, I mean, that would Well, that's the last thing, right? Yeah. We have the Dodgers, we have the Sparks, <laughs> LAFC, yeah. soccer. We won the championship this season, so that was great. Wow. So we'll see what happens. Cookie and I, we love sports. and uh, How is Cookie? She's doing great. Yeah. She's doing great. Cookie's and uh, keeping a brother together. <laughs> she's the real That's ball. a tall order. She, yes, she's the real ball. <laughs> yes, she is. 
Al Roker, not a fan of the commander's uniforms, apparently. I got no problem with the commander's uniforms. I like the commander's I do, too. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the questions gurgling around, too. Like, would they change their name if there's a new owner? Would they change the colors? I mean, new owner can do whatever the new owner wants to do and may decide we're just rolling the whole thing up in a ball and throwing it in the trash and starting over. We're going to yeah. completely cleanse the palate of anything and everything that could be tied back to Daniel Snyder. So, who knows? Now, what, what Magic did was confirm the reporting from last week that the group that Magic Johnson is part of, the Josh Harris group, Josh Harris and Mitchell Rails came together with a $6 billion bid, reportedly, for the commanders. Steve Apostopoulos, Canadian billionaire, put together another $6 billion bid. They both were submitted last week. There's been some reporting that one is more real than the other. I mean, they're both $6 billion. At some point, you got to break the tie. Meanwhile, there's still this belief by some that Jeff Bezos is going to just swoop in like a hawk, possibly, with more than $6 billion and buy the team. But magic with Josh Harris trying to get this thing done, trying to buy the team from Dan Snyder. And it feels like it keeps moving toward conclusion. We just don't know who it's going to be, Chris. Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem like it's going that way. Josh Harris, Magic Johnson, that group, I mean, certainly seems impressive. You know, I do think, you know, Magic Johnson, his name, who he is, can help bridge a gap a little bit between, you know, the fan base and the organization there, right? But, yeah, there's, there's issues. They need a new fresh look, new ownership, get people to buy in. It's one of the great franchises – in the history of the NFL. And it's a shame because people that are 20 years or younger don't realize that. They don't realize that you and I grew up. And, I mean, man, the Washington team was special. And, of course, you know, in the 80s with Joe Gibbs and all that, uh, to win three Super Bowls, be in four of them, you know, win three of them with different quarterbacks. I mean, it's it's really one of the most under-talked dynasties in the, in the history of the league, too. But, yeah, I, I – um, the, the thing that's weird, Mike, and explain this to me. So they did the bidding. When does the bidding end? Like, what, so How long can Jeff Bezos wait to just sit there and swoop in at the last second? I, I didn't know you could quite do it like that. It, it, I guess it ends whenever they want it to end. You've okay. got an investment bank involved. Bank of America is handling all this, and they get, if this applies like it usually does, they'll get a percentage of the final price as their fee. Yikes. So they've got an incentive awesome. to generate the highest price possible. But – if it, this is what irritated me last week about the reporting from ESPN. They drop late morning, boom, the Josh Harris group has a $6 billion bid that meets the asking price of Dan Snyder, although I don't think it meets the asking price, but that's okay. Then, boom, here comes the other bid for $6 billion. That that That's just part of the story. You have two equal $6 billion bids. Where does it go from here? Does he flip a coin? Does he throw a dart? What does he do? I think ideally you sit back and say – just like at an auction, do I hear $6.1 billion? Do I hear $6.2 billion? And you keep going until you get somebody to say yes and somebody to say no. And then you've got this possibility of Bezos. And there's been conflicting reports about whether or not Dan Snyder refuses to sell to Jeff Bezos. He does. He doesn't. Whatever money talks. And if $6 billion is where the two groups currently are, I mean – that's couch cushion, couch couch cushion, not couch cushion, couch cushion. You can't you can't spit Jeff out Bezos. the words the today. You're saying Peter Ping and couch cushions. That's and- all right. It's only twice. <laughs> it's only twice. The first ninety minutes were clean. But uh, bottom line is, Jeff Bezos can buy that team in a heartbeat if he wants to. He's worth 120 billion for crying out loud. 120 billion. So if he wants it, he'll get it. 
if Snyder will sell it to him, and if he wants it, he'll get it. And I feel like right now we're in that holding pattern waiting for Bezos to make his move. I just feel like there's enough vibes out there in the reports I've seen that it makes sense for us to sit back and wait and wonder when Bezos is going to make his move, which is going to piss off the people who are sitting at the table with $6 billion bids. Yeah, of course. But I think they kind of knew going in there's a chance Bezos is just going to buy the whole damn thing anyway. Well, the, let me ask you this. The, and, I, and maybe this has been out there and I don't know. But is there like a conflict of interest if Jeff Bezos buys the Washington Commanders? Is there a little bit like, wait, you're a TV deal partner. You run the business that we stream on. And that's where you made your fortune. And now you're part of running our business here. You know, would that throw a wrench into the game plan here for Jeff Bezos in the NFL or trying to figure that out at all? Who would who would throw the wrench? I don't who know. In a position You're right. I, I don't know. I'm just like, I don't know. No. You know, I just spitballing. They're it getting just, rid of Snyder. It, 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 it's like, hey, Snyder. I own Fox, but I'm also on an NFL team. Hey, guess what? I want my team to be on Fox. I'll, I just, I don't know. It just seems like it can be a little I, weird. I don't know what his official role is with Amazon right now. Yeah. Um, other than, than probably owning a ton of stock. But, yeah, yes, it would potentially be an issue, but the NFL would have to care about it. Would there be nine owners who would say, we don't want Jeff Bezos to be one of our partners uh, as an owner of a team? Maybe they think that he'll be more reasonable as a broadcast partner if he's one of the owners. Yeah, But it, does create, good point. it does create some tentacles that could be awkward, but right. they also could be beneficial to the yeah. NFL. Right. Um, as as the NFL, you know, deals with the reality, and there was something about this last week. I didn't write about it at PFT, but there's a push to allow private equity firms to be involved in ownership. They are so insistent on individuals owning these teams. The problem is there aren't enough individuals who have the money to own these teams. They're going to have to do something at some point because it's a it's a big price tag. And there aren't enough people out there with the kind of cash necessary to buy these teams. And the values keep going up and up and up. Ron Rivera recognizes that when there's a new owner, it may bring about the end of his tenure with the team. That happened to him with David Tepper when Tepper bought the Panthers and Rivera was the head coach. Here's what Rivera said to the Washington Post. I could be gone in a year. That's football. I understand that. I'm not going to be desperate. I'm not. When you're desperate, you make bad decisions. I've got to be very specific and very clear cut with what our vision is going forward, and it has to mesh. That's one of the things I learned from the Panthers change, is that not having it mesh, not having an explanation of what we're going to do and how we're going to do it slows down the process. And this is Riverboat Ron. He's not going to be Riverboat for the sake of saving his job. He's still got to go out there and coach the team. And it's a tough spot for everybody. Everybody in the organization, when a new owner takes over, the new owner is going to have a vision of how he or she wants the team to look. And you start making key hires, and they're going to have their vision of who they want working for them. And there will be some employees who aren't affected by it, but plenty will be. And everybody's going to be worried about it. And it makes for a tenuous time for the organization during this transition. And that's just part of the territory of working for an NFL team. There's a chance that it's going to get purchased by somebody else and that that owner, whoever it is. And that's what's got to drive you crazy, Chris. you got multiple groups looking at this team. Which one is less likely to come in and make immediate wholesale changes? Right. Which one may stick with me? Which one do I have a good relationship, if any? Which one works out better for me? And, yeah, you're going to have some people who have their lives turned upside down in the aftermath of that change. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's a big year. We know that. I think even without ownership change, it's a big year for Washington Commanders and Ron Rivera and all of that. You know, it's it's – 
it's kind of getting to that point of uh, put up or shut up. They've been good, but they haven't been able to kind of get over that hump to make any waves in the NFC playoffs. So this is a big year for their football team. And then, you know, added on to that, I can't help but like read that quote and go, okay, wait, I understand what you're saying and the logic of where the team is going right now. But I also, within that quote, want to go, you know, you know, is he referring to the Lamar Jackson issue there as far as like, you know, you're just not going to be desperate? You know, I mean, again, I, I, that doesn't seem like a desperate move. That could have been a move that played in his favor in a lot of ways, too. Um, but I couldn't help but think about that a little bit as I was as you were reading that 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 quote there. Well, and I think the problem is Dan Snyder is at a point where he's he's got one foot out. And I just think it would have been difficult to get him to sign off on yeah. doing what needed to be done right. to go after Lamar Jackson, giving up the draft picks. And, um, and, and yeah, you, you can say to the new owner, we restrained ourselves from pursuing Lamar Jackson because we didn't want to mortgage your future. We didn't want to trade your draft picks. We didn't want to commit your dollars to a significant full guarantee that would result in a major escrow payment being due March 31 of 2024. We didn't think it was fair and proper to put you in that spot. And maybe that becomes a selling point to the new owner. You make that argument at some point. Hey, you know what? One of the, we could have gone after Lamar Jackson, but we didn't want to stick you with the bill. We didn't want to use your draft picks. We didn't want to do it without getting your approval because you're the one that's going to have to pay for the meal. Dan Snyder and us would have ordered the meal. You're the one who would have had to pay for it. So maybe that's a way to, to set the right mood as you try to establish a relationship with a new owner and get that new owner to keep you around. But it's not going to be easy for anybody. For anybody in the front office, for Jason Wright, the team president, for the coaching staff, it's not going to be easy when there's a new owner because the new owner typically wants to do things his or her way. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, you, don't, you don't know where that's going to go you know, or who they're connected to you know, in the NFL world that maybe gets in their ear about coaching changes or whatever. It's, it's, that's where, you know, again, you get back to it and, yeah, they, you would think they got to have a good year. They've been right in, you know, the top middle of the, the league, really, the last three years. Uh, but we haven't seen a sign of them, like I said, get over that hump to be a real dangerous player in the NFC. And now you're starting a second-year quarterback who's only played one game in his life. I'm interested to see where it goes. They got some pieces that I really like about their football team. But, of course, that's a big question mark for sure. Uh, so we'll see. Big year for Ron Rivera and the Commanders. And I got to give them credit for what they've been able to do with all this dysfunction. It has trickled into the locker room. You've had players talk about it. How can you not have it be an issue when you've got this constant turmoil involving the organization? And Ron Rivera, to make it to the playoffs in 2020 when all this crap was going on, to go 7-10 and 10 in 21, 8-8-1 eight, eight in 22, that's amazing when you consider all of the issues that this organization has had to deal with thanks to Daniel Snyder. So, uh, look, I don't know that that's enough of a resume short-term to keep Ron Rivera around. There's a lot of factors that's going to go into it, and we'll see how it plays out. First step is who will buy the team, and the who will go a long way toward determining how long Ron Rivera sticks around. We're going to take a break. When we return, John Elway will not be sticking around with the Broncos. A quiet development from last month. Elway out for good, apparently, with the Broncos. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live.
John Elway played for the Denver Broncos from 1983 to 1998, winning back-to-back Super Bowls before he retired. 2011, he returned as the guy in charge of the football operation. This was a time when the team was being managed by a three-person trust. Pat Bowlin had handed off the reins for health issues, and Elway criticized it first. I was... I was of the mindset that how are you just making this guy in charge of your football operations? He's never worked for a team in that capacity. You've got people who have been grinding away in these jobs. You're just going to hand this to John Elway because he was a franchise quarterback. Well, you know what? He did well right out of the gates. Drafted Vaughn Miller with a top five pick. Drafted Julius Thomas with a fourth round pick that year in 2011. Got Chris Harris Jr., a great underrated cornerback, undrafted. Found him undrafted in 2011. And then the key move being right place at the right time to get Peyton Manning to come to Denver in 2012. And I suspect that Elway's history as a franchise quarterback, one of the best ever play the game, helped convince Peyton Manning to come to Denver. And that laid the foundation for a Super Bowl championship. So Elway, all in all, hey, got to the Super Bowl twice. Yeah. Won one, not a bad resume for his decade plus as the guy in charge of the football operation in Denver. No, it, it's a, it, was a, it was a damn good run. You know, it didn't end the way, you know, I'm sure he wanted to or anything like that. But, you know, you said it right. You know, we got a lot of good players. You talk about it. Also got DeMarcus Ware there, right? Akib Talib there. Some other guys that got them over the hump you know, to win the Super Bowl. Uh, that's where they were, you know, and then you said it too. I mean, Peyton Manning getting him to go there, that of course was the, the crown jewel moment for the organization and John Elway, because that was the guy that yeah led them to having the best offense we had ever seen in the history of football when they lost to the Seahawks in that Super Bowl with Wes Welker and company, right? I got to give John Elway a lot of credit too. makes the move, you know, next year they go to the playoffs. They don't succeed. He makes a move and fires John Fox, Right. Or two years later, or no, yeah, it was one year after that, and and makes a tough move where the team's been successful and goes with Gary Kubiak, and that move proves to be, you know, the right move to get them to win the Super Bowl and actually beat the Patriots and get over the hump that way. So, I mean, it, it's really crazy. I mean, you said it; it's crazy that he kind of had that position, right? It's it's rare, but showed he was worthy of it. And you talk about a run with an organization, you're. One of the greatest players in the history of football, let alone the greatest player in that organization's history. And then you're a damn good GM there for a little while and win a Super Bowl and go to another one. Um, yeah, John Elway, Hall of Famer, um, and, and, a, and a great job being a GM. The only problem for Elway after Super Bowl 50 yeah, when they won apart. it all and Peyton Manning retired, the quarterback position went to pot. They had used a second-round pick in 2012 on Brock Osweiler. Trevor Simeon took over uh, Osweiler left via free agency for the yeah. Texans that year. Now, Drafted Paxton Lynch. Vindicated because it didn't work out. Yeah, wasted a first-round pick on Paxton Lynch in 2016 after Peyton Manning had retired. Drew Locke did They haven't been back to the postseason. Right. The longest stretch that a Super Bowl champion has not returned to the postseason in Super Bowl history. They have not been back since winning Super Bowl 50. And it was 2021 when he was kind of – demoted upward where he was no longer the GM. They gave George Payton the reins. No more John Elway. He's there as a consultant. He was there as an assistant. And the news now is he's out. His contract has expired. He's no longer part of the Broncos organization. So he had all those years there, 16 seasons as quarterback, more than a decade in charge of the football operation, and a great run 
to put both of those together and to deliver three total three total Super Bowl victories during his time with the Broncos. Plenty of other teams out there don't have one or even a Super Bowl appearance to show for the past 40 years of football. So one of the reasons the Broncos have been great is Peyton Manning. Uh, and John Elway, <laughs> one of those John top, Elway. one of those top and five Peyton great Manning. quarterbacks of all time. <laughs> John Elway and Peyton Manning right. together, and who knows? Maybe one of these days, Peyton Manning will be running the Denver Broncos. All right, uh, two great quarterbacks in Green Bay over the years, dating back thirty seasons plus. Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers still not traded by the Packers, and we expect it to happen. I think it's going to happen. Yeah, late afternoon. Friday of the draft, second round pick is going to go to the Packers from the Jets before we start the process. You know, we do all around one on Thursday. We do round two and three on Friday night. At some point, like 4.30, 5 o'clock Eastern, we're going to hear that the deal is finally done. That's what I think. That's what I think. I don't think it's going to get derailed. But Craig Carton threw something in the punch bowl yesterday about the possibility of maybe the 49ers getting involved if the deal with the Jets falls apart. Well, there's no reason to think the deal with the Jets is going to fall apart. Where is this 49ers talk coming from? And remember, it was two years ago, right before the draft, where the 49ers called about a trade for Aaron Rodgers. Packers hung up the phone. It all hit the fan the first day of the draft. The 49ers have had that interest in Aaron Rodgers. So that's why when I saw what Carton had said, I didn't completely dismiss it because we know he's been on the radar screen. But I just feel like this is an effort by the Packers to get the Jets to finally blink. That's at, at the core. At the core, I think the Packers just want to get this done. Let's So we know what picks we have as we make our final draft board. We know when we're going to select. Let's just get this damn thing done. And maybe the possibility that the 49ers would get involved is the thing that finally gets the Jets to pull the trigger on this trade. Well, I, I mean, I, I hear your logic there. I don't know if I'm going to totally buy that. I mean – one, hey, I got I'm I'm friends with Craig Carden. He's a great guy. I, he's not an, exactly an NFL insider, all right. So I'm not necessarily going to just go. Oh, Craig Carden said it. Watch out, there might be that. And I'm having fun, and I'm being serious a little at the same time. Hope he sees this clip. But I I, I understand him connecting that dot, or us thinking that, or whatever. I think there's it wasn't a lot- more than just connecting a dot, though. Somebody said something to him, and again, who knows? Who knows who it was? Who knows if it's credible? That's what you're saying. Yeah. But the point is, right. he believes it. Yeah. Somebody who he believes told him that this could happen, and I just can't help but think it's a leverage play by the Packers to get the Jets deal done. Because, look, at the core, Chris, Aaron Rodgers would have to renege on his intention. My intention is to play for the Jets. How do you put that toothpaste back in the tube? How do you say, well, I really do want to play for the Jets because the Packers are being so stubborn with the Jets and won't do a deal with the Jets, but the 49ers will give the Packers what they want. I've changed my intention. I'll go play for the 49ers now. I mean, Rodgers is setting himself up for a ton of criticism and derision and hatred from Jets fans if he would do an about-face for that reason. Yeah, no, I, that's where I, I don't think it happens for that reason. I think it's too far down the line with the Jets and the Packers. And I think the 49ers have moved on from that conversation. You know, I know enough to know that what we talked about a little last week that Shanahan has great respect for Brock Purdy. You know, Brock Purdy's his starting quarterback. Damn, he feels good about it. And they went to the NFC Championship, and if you talk to anybody that was associated with the 49ers, they go, if he doesn't get hurt, we're going to beat the Eagles and go to the Super Bowl. That's how they feel. 
So I don't think they're going to abandon that for, you know, ayahuasca and $60 million. And then we also got to pay Nick Bosa, you know, probably to be the highest paid defense end in the history of football here, too. That's where I don't see it happening. I don't. You know, I, I do agree with you in the fact that maybe somebody did float that out to Craig Carton to get that conversation to put a little pressure on the situation. I certainly am with you in that conversation there. But, you know, in, in my real reality thoughts, I don't, I don't know. I don't expect that or see that happening uh, anytime soon. Every once in a while, though, somebody will throw out this idea to me that the Packers should just trade Aaron Rodgers somewhere else. They should just take a better deal from someone else. And Rodgers doesn't have a no-trade clause, so there's nothing he can do about it. Look, if Rodgers doesn't want to play for a team, that team isn't going to want him. you got to pay him $60 million. He's already going to be delicate for you to deal with anyway. Even if he's happy, you have to tiptoe around the delicate genius, right? Right. If he doesn't want to be there, yeah. you're not going to trade for a guy who doesn't want to be there at that position. At other positions, it's easier to take a hard line if you're a team. At starting quarterback, the guy who sets the agenda, the guy who you need to be more than just someone who shows up and does his job, someone who leads, someone who takes his own personal time to devote to studying film and inspiring others to do the same. You want that guy to well, want to be there. Yeah. You want him to want to be there. Yeah. Well, and, you know, to your point there and what you're saying, because I've seen this on social media too. Oh, the Packers should just shop him to somebody else. Hey, uh, guy on social media. Everybody knows he's available. Nobody's sending offers there. Nobody wants to deal with it. It you know, it's a little bit like Lamar that way. It's like, damn, we're gonna just blow up the organization for Aaron Rodgers and give him sixty million, and he's gonna hold us hostage next year. You know, so there's those issues there. It's 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 the Jets are nothing at this point. You know, I I, I know I hear I see some of that stuff too. Though they should shop him somewhere else. He's been available forever. Nobody's going to pray the price tag the Packers want, and a lot of teams don't want to deal with that situation altogether. There's not one that really makes sense at this point. You know, I understand the 49ers. There's a little logic there and to talk about that, and we did. But it's, it's like you said to start you know, the conversation here. It's, it's Jets, and it's going to be Jets, and it's just they got to figure out a few details here, and it'll be done soon. I think the 49ers pull the emergency cord on any veteran quarterback. It's Tom Brady. Because, number one, you don't have to give up anything to that. get him. It's not going to cost you $60 million, exactly. number two. And, and, and it, you know, my first thought when any of these names come up is, well, they went out and got Sam Darnold. But you know what? It's a one-year $4.5 million contract. Yeah, that's right. When you have a total financial expenditure for your quarterbacks that is so low, you got two guys on rookie contracts and you got Sam Darnold at 4.5. They could do something like this. But yeah. I think Brady would be more likely – than Rodgers, and Brady is a bat signal that they turn on in July, August, September, not April. Rodgers is a move you got to make now and get him involved and get him ready to go, and you basically have to give him the keys and push everyone else aside. So I just don't think it's going to happen, and I don't think Rodgers is going to change his intention, but I caught it three weeks ago today when he said it on McAfee's show. It's my intention to play for the Jets. He is not using the word intention accidentally. That is his safe harbor if he does change his mind at some point. But at this point, no reason to think that's going to happen. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. When we return, the Bills have finalized a deal for a new stadium. Our draft today, the teams that need a stadium change. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this.
Buffalo Bills have finalized a deal to get their new stadium in place, securing their short-term and long-term future in Buffalo. So today's draft, the teams that need a new stadium currently in the NFL, and we see it all the time. There's always a group of teams out there that is looking for something more than what they have. That stadium looks like it will be awesome. But see, that's the thing. The next new awesome stadium comes around. Somebody else is thinking, hmm, maybe I need a new stadium. And so it goes over and over and over again. There's always a team looking for a stadium. So today's draft, teams that need a new stadium. Chris, you're up. Well, I, I think we're, you know, I'm not going to take the Bills in this one, okay? So that's, that's that's we know they need a new one. The Jaguars are the first team that, that jump out to me. You know, I, I mean, again, it's 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 uh I don't want to be disrespectful, but yeah, it's it's the worst stadium in football. I mean, it is. I'm sorry. Uh, it, it's it's the worst when you walk around the inner hallways and everything like that. It's the worst when you're on the field and you look up at the stadium. It, it I know it's got a pool, and I love Jackson Deville and how he craps on you from time to time. He's one of my favorite mascots, but. The stadium is the worst in football, so I'm going to go with the Jaguars. And I don't even know the name of it, uh, but that's that's the one I'm going with. I, You know what? I don't either. It's had different names over the years, right. and I really don't know what the name of it is, which, <laughs> which underscores the value of giving millions of dollars to a sports team so you can put your name on the stadium. People are not even going to remember, in some cases, what it is. I know this one, and I've said this before. If I was FedEx, what I would do at this point is pay even more money for them to put UPS on FedEx Field. Please name it after our top competitor because that place is a shithole. I've been there. It is not, and literally, uh, the pipe busted, and 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 sewage was coming down on the fans. And Holy here's the crap. the railing broke, and people fell, and there was litigation over that, and almost took out Jalen Hurts as he was walking by, as he was coming off the field. That place needs to go, and that's one of the reasons why people are excited about the sale of the team, because chances are. Whoever gets that team is going to get the keys to building a new stadium at the site of RFK. Yeah. And that will help restore the glory of the franchise because that's a horrible stadium. It it hasn't been open, grand scheme of things, all that long. No. But I've been there. I can I can have an opinion on this because I've been in the place. It is not an NFL-caliber stadium, and it needs to go. Agreed. Agreed. Been there, too. Played there. Been there many, many times. It is, yeah, it's not good. It's not even comparable to the old RFK and the feel that had. But let alone the stadium itself, the location sucks, right? It's in the middle of nowhere. Nobody even wants to freaking go there. It's so far from Washington, D.C. and all that. So I'm with you. That probably would have been my next pick. Um, hmm. This is where it gets a little interesting. All right, I'm going to go with one that just is like it's close to my heart. So it's a little personal. I MetLife Stadium stinks. I like MetLife, okay? It's a great company. I love the Giants. You know that. I hate the stadium, and I think most Giant fans and Jet fans would agree with that sentiment. It is a, you know, hey, it's got some new amenities and all of that, but damn, for New York, for the New York Giants, damn. I mean, it's just not good enough. And the thing, here's the thing that bothers me, Mike. One, it's not as cutting edge as you would like for one of the newer stadiums. Two, it's gotten one of those, it's got a really big lower tier, right? So the lower tier goes out far away from the field and then it goes up. 
So the crowd noise, you know, if you're sitting in the mezzanine level or the upper tier, you're way farther away from the field than you used to be at the old Giant Stadium. I know I share these sentiments with most Giant fans. We will continue to show up at Giants games, but we don't like the stadium, and those are the reasons why. Next one for me, the Chicago Bears. I mean, obviously, they're talking about building their own place. How dare you? Field. They're not happy with it there. They did the renovation 20-plus years ago, and it just doesn't work. Now, it's a beautiful facility. We've been in there. Yeah. But the Bears clearly are looking for something more, something different, Damn. something modern. I like it, but the Bears the Bears don't, or they wouldn't be looking for I know. I like it, else. too. We're take I'm a break. Round three, coming up next here on PFT Live. So it's Hawk Week here on PFT Live. We talk about a hawk attacking a chicken at Chris's house yesterday. I talked this morning about the hawk nest outside my house. Matt Casey, coordinating producer of the program, has a hawk on his front stoop. There's a hawk. <laughs> now, amazing. it looks like it may be injured. Matt thinks it hasn't left. It's been there for a while, but he looked out the window this morning, and there was a hawk. As we're talking about hawks, there's a hawk. On his front porch. Isn't so it crazy how the world works like that? Like, we thing. bring it up, and all of a Hawk sudden, like, the world is bringing us hawk stuff all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. interested to see our new chapter for tomorrow in the hawk chapter. Well, keep your chickens inside, just in case. <laughs> yeah, okay. Small right. animals, anybody connected to the show, keep them inside. All right, give me another stadium that needs to go. Okay, I know this is where it's tough, okay? And I'm like, the Chiefs, I look at them and go, damn, that stadium's old, but it's awesome and has a great atmosphere, but they are the Chiefs and that fan base where I'm like, they could do better, but I'm going to go with the Saints in the Superdome. You know, I love the location. I hope they can keep something similar, but come on, it's outdated. You know, it's been a while since I've been in there, but the last time I was in there, it was like 15 years ago. It was outdated then, so I'm sure it's still outdated now. Uh, that, that's one I look at, but you know, it is still a good spot, but it, it needs a refresh for sure. It looks great on TV. Yeah. The lighting is awesome, but the facility itself, it's been there for almost 50 years. Yeah. It is time for a new venue there. I'll go with the chiefs. Cause there has been some talk about building a new stadium and it's, been, it's just been there. Any stadium has been there 50 years. It's time for a change. Where are you? Go away. See you tomorrow. See ya. Get them Hawk. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.